welcome back to Two Peas in a Podcast, where we are down to one pea, your host, Laura Morrell. A podcast where no conversation is off topic. Welcome back to Two Peas in a Podcast with your host, Laura Morrell. And we are here with a very special guest who I have met recently and instantly just felt so connected with her. She's just such a breath of fresh air and she's making such big waves in the health industry. And I'm so excited to to chat with her in depth. So please welcome Jenna. She is the owner and head coach at Harvest Coaching. She's been in the health and industry, fitness industry for over six years now. She's a certified fitness coach and also a certified precision nutrition coach, health and mindset coach, and also holds a specialization in functional nutrition and metabolism. And to top it off, she is also a pre and postnatal training and nutrition certified coach. So you are the full shebang. Welcome, Jenna. Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. What a beautiful intro. (laughs) Oh, you are so welcome. And it's just so nice to find another woman who just has such a strong focus on wanting to help women. And you can see that just by everything I read out about, you know, how much you invest into education and learning and expanding. There's obviously such a passion there where it just goes beyond a career, like it's a purpose. And I find that so inspiring with you. So yes, welcome. I can't wait to to dive into your brain. <laughs> yes, I'm so excited. And, and thank you for that. I think it's really special when your passion and your career overlap. Um, that's not always the case for everybody, but I think when you can create from that space, it just becomes you're, you show up in a different way. You know, you show up for your clients in a different way. You show up as a person in a different way. And I, I do love that aspect about it. I love that. And we will actually dive into purpose and, you know, cause I feel like that is, I'm going to give you the topic in a second, ladies, keep listening. Um, but I feel like that is a big thing we will talk about is that lack of purpose. And it doesn't always have to be this big purpose in work, but how can we integrate having purpose in our day-to-day life? And I think that's a big topic. So kind of guess what we're talking about today. It's going to be all things diving into mindset. So I really want this episode to really hit home for a lot of you ladies listening, because whether you're currently facing certain mindset challenges, whether you have faced it, or I guarantee you, you will know someone who is facing it. We all have this in common. And I think deep diving into these common mindset challenges, these conversations need to be had and have awareness around it. And I think by having, you know, someone who is certified in mindset, it can just give you a different perspective to look at it from a different view, a more zoomed out view. And I think that can be really beneficial. So first of all, let's get to know you. Can you tell us a little bit about you? Yes, absolutely. So um, let me dive into just a little bit of background in my story and kind of how I've gotten here as a coach. Um, so most likely I've probably been exactly where you're at to the listeners. So um, I struggled with confidence, body image, my mindset, and honestly, sometimes I still do. So a lot of my history revolves around quick fixes like beach body, Herbalife, cutting carbs, cutting out fats, only eating healthy foods. And this is because that I was listening to diet culture and societal expectations. And so this pushed me to be the skinniest version of myself as possible, which was also the most unhealthy version of myself. Um, At this point in my life, I had been feeling guilty for missing workouts. I felt bad for eating quote unquote bad foods. And eventually I learned through working with a coach, uh, multiple coaches actually at that point, learned how to let go of diet culture and determine my own definition of beautiful. And so now I've learned to work with my body, not against it, which is something that I preach over at the Lifestyle You podcast, which is my podcast um, and love this kind of framework to help other women do the same thing. So just a bunch of tools and strategies to help them achieve their own healthy lifestyle. So that's a little bit more about me and my background and my story as to how I kind of got into coaching in the first place. I love it. And I think it's so beautiful that you've been able to use your challenges and, you know, they would have been your deep and darkest days because, you know, we all know the podcast. I've been through my own, my own days 
And to use those deep and dark days into turning it into such a bright light to help others takes an incredible person because sometimes we just want to do it alone, not tell anyone and just, you know, leave the past behind us. But I think it does take courage to turn that into a coaching business. So no other women um, has to go through that. So I think that's really amazing. How did you turn this into a passion though? Like how did, cause obviously it was a, a challenge and it was a frustration and I can only imagine all the, the words you want to use to describe those deep and dark days, but how did you turn that into the passion you have today? Yeah. So when I first started working with my first nutrition coach, I was just absolutely enthralled by the information. Like I, at the time was a personal trainer. So doing more of the fitness side of things, I grew up as an athlete. So that's always been something I've been interested in. And when I started learning more about nutrition and actually like learning into like the tools and strategies and different things out there, I was like, oh my goodness, like I am really passionate about this stuff. And I think coming from that place of the dark days and understanding that I didn't want other people to feel that way was really, like you said, it's just very empowering and pushes you to want to help other people. And so I would honestly say that it was mainly like the knowledge, like gaining that knowledge of how I could help my own body and then help other people was what led me to eventually turn that from a passion into into a business as well. Yeah. And I guess this is where like-minded women come into the picture because we actually met at an amazing course. Now I can never pronounce her last name. I always call it Casey or Dervis. I don't know how to pronounce it. Do you know how to pronounce her last name? Yes. Or Vitas. Or Vitas. I don't even know where I got the D from. Sorry, Casey. <laughs> I do love you. Moved, you moved it around. It's fine. There you go. And I am dyslexia too. So that's probably why I do that all the time. Um, but we met through, through Casey and she has a, she's a qualified psychologist and she runs an amazing course to help coaches become certified in mindset. And that's actually where we crossed paths. And, you know, I, I think by having this knowledge that you've recently gained, I feel like it helps your clients so much. So I do want to dive into what do you see as the main challenges for your clients? Yeah. So from a mindset perspective, I think that one of the biggest things that people struggle with when they first come to me is um, two different things, actually. One is going to be the all or nothing thinking. So that's kind of getting on and off the hamster wheel. My diet starts over on Monday, feeling like they can't stick with something, feeling like they're constantly falling off of the wagon. And then the second component is going to be their relationship with food, their bodies and exercise. Mm -hmm. So those are probably the biggest mindset blocks that a lot of people have. And it's really interesting because when you dive into either one of those categories, we often discover that women especially have adopted these sort of beliefs that don't even belong to them. So they might be things that society has told them or family has said to them. And so they just kind of absorb these narratives that aren't even relevant to them. And that was something that I was doing in my own life. And I, and I catch myself even still in certain areas of my life, I'll be like, Ooh, that's not really what I believe. And that's just what I've been told my whole life, you know? Um, and so that's where I think the biggest mindset struggles and challenges show up for most people. Yeah, I totally agree. I remember thinking, and this was such a challenge for me because it's such a contradiction in life, right? Because I've got my, my family telling me like, like I've always had a big butt and <laughs> it was like, always like, um, my mom saying little comments here and there, but then society, big butts are in. So then it's like, you're getting validated and compliments from the outside world and then my inside world with my family it was like you know watching what I eat and this is back in the younger days so it's like just being pulled in one direction like where do I fit in society's definition of beautiful so yeah there there is such a um I guess a gap and I think that all or nothing mindset is a big one so Going into that, where do you think that stems from? Obviously, diet culture, we what I like to call ro- um, like diet culture colored glasses, you know, like rose colored glasses or drunk glasses. Mm-hmm. There is like a diet culture glasses. So where do you think the all or nothing mentality sort of came from? And and what can we do about it? And maybe yeah, I- an example of it too, if you can. Yeah, something that just popped into my head that I often use in this example when I'm trying to explain all their nothing thinking to somebody is this concept of seeing things, like you said, so 
go big or go home. Those are like quotes that we know of, right? Um, There was never this like show up halfway or give 50%. It was like, give a hundred or give nothing. And a lot of us operate from that place in other aspects of our life, right? It's like, well, I'm either a hundred or nothing. And somewhere along the way, we got this message that like, okay, well, if you're not doing a hundred percent, then you may as well not be doing anything at all, Mm. which in your health and fitness is just absolutely detrimental to your, to your life. And so what we try and teach clients at Harvest Coaching is that you are capable of doing some, so not all or nothing, but falling in that some category. And so one strategy that we love to use is the dial method. I'm sure you've heard of this, but basically where we take a dial from one to 10, one being what is the bare minimum task that you can do for your nutrition, let's say, for example. Mm -hmm. So you have that thing that you can do No matter what is going on, though, the dial will never turn off to zero. So even if it's at one, that's still moving you along the dial, right? And then some weeks, maybe you have a five out of 10. Maybe some weeks you have a nine out of 10, right? And just understanding that that fluctuation is normal and that it's okay to do some versus none. And yeah, that's kind of the first thing that I wanted to bring up in terms of that. And I think is a good example of how you can actually... that you can apply that in your own life and in your own health and fitness journey. I love that, that dial mentality, because, you know, I look at the the ways in which we track habits, which yes, there is a need to track habits because if we, if we're tracking, it's reminding us that we need to do things. So there's definitely an element, but I also sometimes think like if we're just ticking, say we've got a goal of 8,000 steps and we hit 6,000 and we've had a really busy day, well, it's like, well, can I not tick that off? Like, and part of me thinks, is that contributing to the all or nothing? Where it's like, we've still done 6,000, which is amazing, but I can't tick that off because it's not 10,000 that's written in my diary or 8,000. So maybe they maybe they need to make a dial journal like for every habit. Just have this constant dial. I don't know how it's going to happen. Yeah, no, I've done this with, um, I'm running a small group coaching program right now. And one of the first weeks we went over your own dial method. So like, Mm. what does your life look like in this stage of your health and fitness? And I had them basically put tasks down for one through 10 and also recognizing like 10 is probably something you'll very rarely actually get to, right? Because 10 out of 10 is assuming perfection. And that's just not something. And I think that's like, what causes so many issues for people is this concept of I need to be perfect. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they go in with this mentality that like, okay, well, if I'm not doing everything, if I'm not being perfect, because we're aiming to be perfect in work, in our family life, in our friendships, right. We're trying to be perfect in every area of life. And so when we go in with that mentality, that's what persuades us away from even contributing to some, right. We feel like, well, if I can't show up a hundred percent, then why show up at all? So true. And like, let me even ask you, when was your last perfect whole week? When was the last mm-hmm. time you had a perfect week? Everything. Went I to- never, I don't even remember because I don't, I never strive for perfectionism anymore. Yeah. Like, yes, of course I have goals and things like that. But at the end of the day, right, it's more so the averages, right? It's more so what I'm doing most of my day or the actions that I'm taking for most of the week, right? That's what matters. Not necessarily if I'm hitting 10,000 steps every single day, um, which again, is kind of like an arbitrary number, right? We have these goals and this is why it's so important to work with a coach because sometimes when we set these goals on our own, we like don't even understand why we're setting them, right? We're just setting them because somebody told us we should be walking 10,000 steps or somebody told us that we should be eating 1,200 calories or whatever, you know, the app told me to eat 1,200 calories. So therefore now I'm pursuing that goal. And so it's so important when you are setting goals to make sure that they one, align with you and where you're currently at. If they are way too far out of your reach, then you're never going to be able to hit them. So if you go from 300 steps a day and set your goal for 10,000, then you're never going to get there. And that's where that sum and meeting yourself in the middle and where you're at, but slightly outside of your comfort zone can come into play there. And so those are some of the ways that we can start to really like get away from that all or nothing thinking. Absolutely. And fun fact, we all know we love fun facts here. The 10,000 step thing wasn't actually based off research. So it was based off a company that made a pedometer. And I think it was leading up to the Japan Olympics. And this is going back in the 1960s. And they needed a a way to market it. So they got everyone moving 10,000 steps. And that's kind of where it's come from. So, um, you know, I think something important you mentioned there was we don't need to strive for this 
perfect 8,000 or perfect 10,000. And I think that's where your coaching comes in because you look at people's lifestyles, you look at where they are and you set realistic goals, but you teach them how to adapt as well, where it's like, I'm not just going to blanket rule everyone and be like, okay, you've signed up to this program, 10,000 steps for you, 10,000 steps for you. And I think that's what's beautiful. You don't get your clients to strive to change their lifestyle to fit into the program. It's the Mm -hmm. opposite, isn't it? You try it. And I think that's why your coaching service is so beautiful because you create the program to fit into your client's lifestyle. And that's why that one-on-one service is so important because we do live in an industry where it's like there's blanket rules for everything. Here's how many calories you should be eating. Here's how many steps you should be doing. Here's the workouts you should be doing. And it's like, it's not manageable for most people and it's not actually the right goal for them as well. So diving into that, where do you think that perfectionist mindset does come from? Because I know we've spoken about like, um, we've always been told about, you know, let's give a, not even a hundred percent. We've always been told give 110%. And my partner always pulls me up on this. He's like, babe, you can't, it's not physically possible. Just give a (laughs) hundred. And I'm like, you're so right. That is ingrained in my brain. I'm going to go hard. I'm going to give 110% even to this day. So where else do you think that perfectionist mindset comes from? I think that a lot of it has to do with, like we mentioned already, the messages that we've received about diet culture, even just thinking about diet culture in general and how like we eliminated carbs completely and we demonized fats once upon a time, right? It was always just like, we needed to do this. And I think a lot of people do this because the research shows people do what this is called dichotomous thinking, right? All or nothing thinking. And it's basically where we just need to rationalize and classify things as human beings. That's our innate nature is to want to put things into categories. And so therefore, when we come up with something, it can't be some because it has to be either all or nothing. And so the human brain works that way to like actually put stuff into categories. And that helps us kind of qualify and disqualify and understand what things we perceive are good for our health versus bad. And there's nothing that falls in between. And so I think we both come from this place of, I love to say, like I coach in the gray area, like there are things that a lot of things that I preach are like, yeah, sure, you can diet, but also I'm going to make sure that you're fueled properly, right? That doesn't mean that I'm anti-diet, but that also doesn't mean that I'm like pro everybody should diet either. So it's like navigating that gray space. And it seems like people are really uncomfortable dipping their toes into the gray space. Like they feel like it needs to be one way or the other. And I think it, I think you said it perfectly. It is a discomfort. It is a discomfort knowing there is a world of gray out there where it doesn't have to be black or white. Like there can be different ways because again, it goes against our our brain. And there's a lot of ways in which we go against our instincts. And I mm-hmm. think that's where confidence, but knowledge comes in. So even just you educating on this all or nothing perfectionist mindset, having that education will then empower women to be like, okay, well, instinctively, I want to put this in the black and white box. But now that I know that, I can start looking at it at a different light. So, you know, I don't have to put, I have to do 10,000 steps. Maybe today I get 6,000 steps and be okay with that. Um, Like, for example, I know in my lifestyle, Mondays and Tuesdays, there is no way I'm going to get 8,000 steps. And we have to also remember that these beautiful habits that, you know, coaches are trying to instill in you is trying to help you with, you know, making your life healthier rather than the stress of having targets. But Mm. if we have that black or white thinking, it just adds that stress to having these targets. So this is, I think, a big reason why there is what I like to call like the health dropout, where we start a health journey and it gets too hard because of that black and white thinking, because it is really hard, you know? So yeah, I think you explained that really well to give our listeners a lot of education to why we have that thinking, why our brain does that. Now we have the tools to think a little bit differently, which I think is so beautiful. Yeah. And I think that you brought up a great point too, is like, even if you're listening to this and you're wondering like, okay, this all sounds great in theory, but how do I actually apply and practice this? 
What's really cool about the brain is how now that you've heard this and you are starting to wrap your head around this, you are going to be, we've basically brought it to the conscious light, right? So you're going to be a little bit more conscious of when these thoughts come up and then you can make a different decision in that moment. And I think that that is so powerful to know. And it's a conversation I was just having with a friend, right? We were talking about this similar concept of, she's a coaching friend of mine, and we were talking about how I was sharing with her today, how I had these thoughts of like, I'm not good enough popping up. And that started to be like, wow, okay, where is that coming from? So I dove a little bit deeper into that. I journaled about that, discovered that it's part of some of my childhood. And I was like, okay, interesting. And also just some pressures that I've put on myself in in my life. And now going forward though, when those thoughts creep up, when I feel like I'm not smart enough or I'm not good enough, I can literally substitute something else in to be like, wait, no, I am good enough. And because I've brought awareness to that thought pattern, now I have something to counteract that thought. And so just so interesting, right? How the brain plays a role in this too. And I know that's something that you're super passionate about as well. Yeah. Look, we can nerd out on the brain any day you like. (laughs) When someone asks me like, you know, we'd be like, what's your favorite part of the body? I'll be like, my prefrontal cortex. Like honestly, the brain is just if you can understand it in the most simplest way, you are empowered to change because it runs a certain way, but just because it runs a certain way, it just means you're going to have knowledge to, like you said, have conscious thoughts to do something different. But again, mm-hmm. doing something different is the hard bit, isn't it? Because it's the discomfort. Yes. Um, yep. One thing I was saying to a client yesterday, because we're trying to make a, a plan to to get her to feel a little bit more un, um discomfort so we can continue on the journey and I was like I want you to try and have a cold shower because we live in a world of comfort right like we live in a world where I mean even now in this room the heating is set at a perfect 22 degrees I have a shower and it's like a perfect temperature I go outside I make sure I either don't walk until it's warmer or I put jackets on we never let our body be in some sort of discomfort. So doing things to desensitize yourself can be really important. So having a cold shower, go outside for the in the cold and be cold. I'm not saying go outside in the two degrees or you know, <laughs> and freeze to death, but you know, be okay with feeling a little bit of shivers and feeling cold. So I think that can really help is desensitizing your body to that that discomfort. Yeah, I love that. I love that you brought that up. Yeah, I really hope listeners don't go out in the freezing cold, though. <laughs> I can just see that happening and then tagging us. <laughs> Please use that sense. Be like, Laura told me to go out in the freezing cold, so here I am standing <laughs> in my shorts in the freezing cold weather. <laughs> Health change. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I, like I said, I think what's really important is what you said is just knowing knowing how the brain works, you ladies now have the decision to consciously do something different and feel uncomfortable and sit with it, sit with that discomfort. One thing I did want to dive into, because this is something you really teach a lot, is a little bit about the fixed and growth mindset. And what I love about this is you're never in a fixed or stuck in a growth mindset. There's different elements in your life, which will be like, for me, I have a very growth mindset with my health and with learning. But I definitely have a fixed mindset when it comes to some elements of the business, when it comes Mm -hmm. to like softwares, I don't want to (laughs) learn. So I myself sometimes catch myself in a fixed mindset. So can you dive into what is that fixed and growth mindset? Yeah. So the easiest way to explain it is basically you have tendencies towards one mindset over the other. And it's not to say that you're locked into these mindsets, but if you're you're operating and living in a fixed mindset, it might feel like you're stuck there forever. But the good news is, is there are ways to incorporate and cultivate more of a growth mindset. So that way you feel like you are possible of expansion, of growth. And I would say, Laura, like we wouldn't be here in our businesses doing what we're doing if we didn't believe in a growth mindset, if we didn't have growth mindsets. Um, So some people feel like they're stuck, right? In that fixed mindset. And For those of you who are listening, this might sound like I'm never good enough or I struggle with achieving my goals. I'm the kind of person who always starts something and never finishes it, right? So very fixed, like not possible of change versus the person who believes in a growth mindset. Like, okay, I am 
learning from my mistakes. I am growing into new opportunities. I am looking for more ways for myself to grow and understand that that will come and maybe it's just not here yet. Right. And so having those two different elements and, and really you can almost give yourself a little quiz onto where you fall in that spectrum, especially in your health and fitness journey, um, just by looking at some of your past history, right? Does that past experience with health and fitness, because all of us have a negative experience, I would say, at some point with our health and fitness. Like for me, it was just disordered eating, over-exercising, like unhealthy relationship with food in my body. And then eventually what I did was took that experience. That experience did not hold me back. That experience actually helped me grow. Like you were talking about earlier on in the episode and allowed me to be, become a coach and utilize my power in that experience that I learned. But if I didn't have a growth mindset, I never would have done that. Right. I would have just been like, woe is me. I can never be healthy. I can never be happy and just kind of sat in that sort of self pity, um, which I feel like the growth mindset or sorry, the fixed mindset can show up that way a little bit. And so that's kind of how I would explain it. And, and some examples, I think for our listeners to really be able to, to identify which, which one, which one they kind of resonate with. I love that. And it kind of really flows well into what we're talking about the all or nothing or the perfectionist mentality, because I think that contributes a lot to that fixed and growth mindset where it's like, well, if I'm not perfect, I'm a failure. So again, I think everything you're saying is just flowing really well into little steps that we can make, because I think if we can start identifying, maybe I am having more, no, let's try and flip this into a positive. Instead of, do I have a fixed mindset? You could even ask yourself, like, how can I have more of a growth mindset here? So how could I learn to get closer to the 8,000 steps? How could I learn to, you know, get better not falling off track on a Thursday and Friday? One thing you actually said when I was on your podcast that I've now told clients is the three magic letters yet. And I found that so eye-opening. Can you just tell our listeners the three beautiful letters? Yes. So I heard this in Jenna Kutcher's book, How Are You Really? And she was sharing how when we're thinking about things that we are not doing well, if we're struggling with something, we've had a failure, if we're not quite, if we didn't reach our goals yet, instead of kind of approaching it from that fixed mindset, she does this really great example of using three letters and it's yet. So basically tacking on to, I haven't reached my goals yet. How much different does that sound versus I haven't reached my goals or I haven't reached my goals yet, right? Like yet means there is potential, there is possibility, there's an opportunity for you to grow. And that's why it's so powerful is because even just saying that, and I catch myself in the business all the time being like, and I never say there's nothing I can't do, but I'm like, okay, I'm not there yet. I will be. I'm just not there yet. I love that. So powerful. And I think little things we can start asking ourselves is like, what can I do? to get to that goal. So is it learning that I need? Is it accountability that I need? Is it education that I need? So a lot of the time, I think it's identifying what is it we need that is missing because when it when there's a hard and we feel stuck, it's because we're missing something. And sometimes it can be, like I said, support. It can be education. It can be accountability. Um, it can be a learning. Um, so I think it's really important to bring awareness. So anyone that's listening who you might have health goals, you might have study goals, whatever it is, ask yourself, what is it that I need that could help me get there? And that's, I know that's one question we do ask our clients a lot. It's like, what can we do? What can we do to support you? What's going to help you? So I feel like that's really powerful. And, you know, for anyone listening, if you just start asking yourself, how can I develop that growth mindset? What do I need? If you can take those two key takeaways, um, I think that'd be really powerful. But one thing I did want to dial into, because I think it it does really flow well into this conversation, is self-comparison. Because again, the all or nothing mindset, the perfectionist mindset, Primitively, we do evaluate ourselves against other people. And we did that back from, you know, being in a tribe because we had to fit into a tribe. So to do that, we had to compare ourselves to other people in the tribe. Otherwise, the end result was we're out of the tribe starving to death in the freezing cold. Now, we're not in tribes. We're very safe. But 
where do you think that self-comparison, like how do you see that in today's culture? And I guess with your clients as well. Yeah. Before we dive into this, I just wanted to give this little quick insight for someone who is listening to this and they're like, okay, well, yes. If you're, if you're honestly trying to wrap your head around, like everything that you could possibly need is available to you. Like whatever that next step is, it's out there. You just have to find it. And remember that it's always, I've heard this from another mentor of mine. It's always a book, a mentor, a coach, a strategy, a tool away. It's out there because people are doing it. It's available to you. And just keeping that in mind, I think, again, that is the growth mindset in it, at its finest, right? To believe that there is something out there to help you. But if you can believe that, you'll be able to tackle any kind of problem. And wanted to throw that out there. And I think a lot of that comes from, honestly, building my own business and being able to troubleshoot and identify what's working, what's not working. Okay, this didn't work. Let's try another tool. Let's try another strategy. Let's give it some time, see how that works. And that's allowed me to do that in my personal life as well, um, as well as my own health and fitness journey, like knowing that, okay, there is the solution out there. So I hope that you guys by now believe that there are solutions out there for you. So um, yes, going back to the self-comparison topic is is great because a lot of time I'll see clients comparing themselves to honestly, sometimes me. And the biggest component there is that like, I was where you were at too, right? Like I've been there before too. And you're just a little bit further behind on the journey, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to get there as well. And so that's an area that it comes up. Very rarely do I see them kind of comparing themselves to other clients just because they don't necessarily know exactly what other clients are doing. But one thing that I think people go in and this is, I, we both, I know we both agree on this. Like I'm not the biggest fan of before and after photos, because when you do that comparison and this is perfect for self-comparison, right? If you come and you sign up with a coach and you're like, well, I saw that Laura got her client, like this, like 30 pound transformation. And I want that. And it's like, okay, now we're just looking at those two photos and there's no story. There's no actual actions that this woman has taken, which were probably, extremely challenging things she had to go through to get to this point. But we only see the before and after. And I think that that's what makes people so clouded about transformation and thinking like, oh, I should be getting there quicker or, oh, I should be losing weight faster or, oh, I should be further along by now. And it's like, no, you're taking the right amount of time. You just perceived by looking at on the same page, one photo over here and one photo over there. That makes it seem like that happened literally within minutes, you know, of each other. And so that's why it's so important. And I, I refrain from posting before and after photos. And if I do, I'm at least telling the story because I want people to hear what the sacrifice and the actions and the hard work that went into it. I could not agree more. And that's where maybe that's why we click so much. You're my person yes. <laughs> because, because like I, I too, and I'm very open on the page. I, I post before and afters that have an inspiring story. And I'm really honest in saying it's never a 12 week fix. This is 24 weeks, 36 weeks plus post coaching. This is how we got the results. But there is a lot of coaches that when you sign up, you have to sign a waiver to say that your photos will be used for marketing purposes. And that breaks my heart. So what you're seeing is, you know, comparing yourself to people who are posting their coaches, posting their clients before and afters, but you don't know the time frame. You don't know the challenges they had. They're purely using it to get you to be like, yes, I want that. Sign me up. And I think knowing that and, you know, just being able to have this conversation with you so our listeners can start seeing these before and afters and and seeing that there is gray area, right? Going back to the black and white thinking because black and white thinking is, oh, she lost 20 kilos. I need, I can do that too. But it's like, there's a lot of gray. So I, I feel like, you know, just bringing awareness that before and after photos aren't always the best strategy because it can make you more disheartened when you find out it's a lot more challenging and they're going to be roadblocks, but you don't see that on someone's marketing for before and afters, because let's be honest, putting out there, this journey took 12 months and every Mm. week was a challenge and every week we had to do long check-ins. Like that's not sexy and probably not going to sell. So bringing that little bit of awareness. So I think you're so right. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I know that we talked about this because I loved how you had your before and afters and it was like the quotes from women and you had like the photo. We talked about this because I messaged you and was like, hey, I want to do something similar. Are you cool with that? You basically had the photo, but it was like blurred. And then you had the words, right? And what the transformation was from a, um, you know, the client themselves, like what they came in saying versus afterwards, after coaching. And that like really spoke to me because I've always had this kind of debacle around transformation photos for that reason. Now, again, I have used them in the past. I still have one that I use for my own story, but my story is a little bit unique because I went from basically weighing nothing because I was doing it in a very unhealthy way to gaining weight. So I feel like my message is a little bit different than like starting with a heavy weight and losing weight, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I've tried to utilize that and just to create the awareness of like, yeah, I gained weight, but it made me even more confident. Right. And now I have this beautiful and healthy relationship with food in my body. Um, but yeah, yeah. Just taking the context, I think is really important if you are looking at those photos, um, and it's funny because all the business coaches tell us to post the transformations and the photos and all the things right? because it does sell. Yeah. yeah. And I, I guess that's where, again, you know, I think we're both quite similar where we are, have very, very high integrity and we, we don't want to do anything that makes us feel icky. <laughs> icky is yeah. the best word I can explain it. I'm sure you get the icky feeling too. And, you know, when we are told to just sell, like this was coaching sales 101 and I'm really honest with my clients. I barely learned anything during my PT qualification. It's all the extra studies that made us understand the body. And, you know, sales one-on-one was post before and afters. That's what sells. That's what gets people, um, you know, lining up in the door. But I think that awareness needs to happen for people looking at those before and afters. When it comes to comparison, what would your top tips be to start helping anyone listening to lower the amount they are comparing themselves? Like, what are your top tips? Okay, a big one, and it's one that I need to do myself. Um, I'm overdue for an audit, but social media, guys, is brutal. Absolutely brutal. Just understanding that the way that Kim Kardashian looks, like, versus you, like, just not doing that, like, not seeing those things on your social media and constantly be comparing. If there's if you are going through your social media scrolling and you find this jolt of insecurity or this feeling of in I'm not good enough or I'm not lean enough or I'm not pretty enough, like that's an instant unfollow. Like just remove that. You do not need it or don't remove it completely. Unfollow the person or you can temporarily like mute their stories and posts. Like do that so that way it doesn't create this kind of spiral because the more times I've, I've really been diving into this myself lately, like the more times that you're seeing that, the more times it's knocking at your confidence. Right. And so just perpetually seeing these bodies and these images. And, and honestly, I I'll be honest with you. I, for years, my Pinterest was covered with women who were sticks and bones because that was what I was trying to achieve. And it's almost embarrassing to go back to my 2012 Pinterest page and see all of the things that I had repinned and posted um, for how I wanted my body to look. And so I think the biggest thing is the social media audit and just being really conscious of who and what you're allowing into your, into your head subconsciously, right? Cause that's all pretty much subconsciously. You're taking in these messages of this is a pretty body. You're seeing comments on the posts of Kim Kardashian and how beautiful she looks and all of these things, right? But then you go and make a post and no one's dropping those comments for you, right? And you're like, wow, okay, this must be, there must be something wrong with me. Um, And so just keeping that in mind, paying close attention to your relationship with social media and how you do scroll, I think is probably the biggest component that I would say and the most impactful. Yeah, it's so true. And I was was actually, my mother-in-law, hey, Karen, she edits the podcast too. (laughs) So always gets a shout out. Um. She sent me a photo of Kim Kardashian, right? And she now has like blonde eyebrows. And she said, does this mean everyone's now going to have blonde eyebrows? And I was like, this pains me to say, but yes, there will now be a trend for people dyeing their eyebrows light. She's gone from, you know, having beautiful curves. And I'm not saying her body's not beautiful now. Everybody's beautiful. But now it's like a different type of body that she is portraying, which is a lot leaner, less curves. And it's like, it is more of a fashion trend rather than her body naturally changing. And again, if we're comparing ourselves to these, and it doesn't have to be idols, it could just be 
random people on social media. I know back in the day before my social um, media audits or cleaning, cleansing, it was filled with bikini models. And I'm like, why am I wanting, I don't want to look like a bikini. It's not realistic. So really, I think diving into your point, have a think about who you do follow and anything that makes you feel anything other than a neutral or a happy, like you don't even have to unfollow, but mute. I have so many accounts muted. It's not even. Yes. (laughs) It's a game changer. It really is. Um, No, that's such a great point. And you're right. Like it does change the ideal body image changes like fashion and like seasons, right? It's so transient. And so to try and achieve a body, you're never going to catch up. You're never going to catch up to the standards. And so it's honestly just silly to portray that. And that's why one of the things I said in my intro was like, hey, my goal was to find my own definition of beautiful. And now I have muscle on my body. But when I was younger, that was like a no-no. That was like, ooh, no, you can't have muscle. You're a woman. You're a female. You shouldn't have muscle on your body. And that's a lot of messaging that I received from my own mom. And I love her, but it was definitely harmful because she was a very small human. She was very skinny, very tiny. And so my basically, I just felt like for a long time of my life that I wasn't skinny enough and that I wasn't, you know, then I started having muscle and I was like, oh, wait, and her definition of beautiful is much different than mine. She thinks that her body is beautiful, which it is, but I also think that my body is beautiful, even if it is, I have more muscle on my body. And so this is why it's so important. Like our definitions of beauty are just, should come from within you and not other people or societal expectations. It's so true. I did a post on this the other day and it was like, it was like 1960s was very small and then 1980s was athletic. And then it was kind of like 2000s was like a bigger booty, bigger boobs. And one thing I said in the post was I've never been in fashion because Mm -hmm. I have little boobies, which I love. Um, Because you know what? I train harder. I can do a lot of things without them getting in the way. Mm -hmm. Um, And it suits my lifestyle because I'm an athletic person and I've got a big booty. And I grew that because growing up, I didn't. So I grew that on my own. But I've never been able to fit into a certain year. I'm kind of sort of 1980s and a mix of 1960s where it's like flat chested. So I actually had a dream last night. I got breast implants. How funny. I just remembered it. And I remember... (laughs) I didn't tell Bill, this was in my dream. I didn't tell Bill and we were at like a festival with my friend and I got them done at a festival and I didn't want Bill to know because I was like, when I woke up from surgery, I was like, oh my God, what have I done? I can't believe I've changed my body. And then I saw Bill and he's like, what have you done? And then I woke up and I woke up and I'm like, no, my little boobies are still here. (laughs) It was just a dream. I don't know where that dream came from. That's hysterical. And I love that you just remembered it right now. Yeah, I literally, I think I messaged Bill this morning when I, when I woke up from it and just, we're talking about, you know, breasts and stuff and it popped into my head, but I remember feeling like I I did feel happy when I had them see my dreams. So maybe that's just like a little reminder that like, no matter what happens with your body, it changes. It's, it's about how you see yourself. Um, Totally. Yeah, really powerful conversation there. And I guess the last thing I did want to talk about too, because I feel like this is a powerful topic before we finish up is I feel like we can, you know, and I felt this throughout my journey as well and see it with my clients, feeling lost and not feeling we have that purpose. And we do see people on social media like, I'm living my purpose, I'm living my dream. And then here we are like just trying to get through the day in survival. So yeah, can you dive into that feeling of um, or that mentality where we feel we lack that purpose and just feeling a little bit lost? And how do we navigate back to feeling grounded, I guess? Yeah, I'm going to dive into this from the health and fitness lens. So one thing that I often see in the health and fitness industry is this push for setting goals. And goals are great. They serve an excellent purpose. But a lot of the time, these goals are based on extrinsic motivation, which is basically an external factor outside of ourselves that is pushing us along. And so one example that comes to mind would be like signing up for a half marathon, right? So a lot of people will do that so they can get themselves in shape, right? That's kind of the purpose is like, well, I'll sign up for this race. So that way I can, I can get myself back into running shape. Or you see people set a PR for their squat and then they're like, okay, well, this is so that I can get stronger. 
And so I want to invite our listeners today to tune into instead what's called intrinsic motivation. So this is something that's deeply rooted and internal to you. And so when we can operate and live from this purpose and and set ourselves up and take action based on internally what our gut and our intuition is telling us, that can be so much more powerful for long-term goals and long-term health and fitness journey, like your journey. And so when we're thinking about intrinsic motivation, one activity that I love um, that kind of gets a little overutilized, but I still think it's a great a great strategy is the why, like five whys. So once you come up with your reason for why, so say your reason is I want to improve my relationship with food. Okay, why? I want to improve my relationship with food because I'm tired of constantly thinking about food. Okay, why? I want to improve my relationship with food and stop thinking about it because it's taking up too much headspace from other areas of my life. And then again, why, right? So just keep digging and digging. And often for me, something I discovered was like, wow, I just don't want this stuff to rub off on my future children. Like, I don't want this to be, if I have a daughter, I don't want her to be absorbing this message of mom's constantly worried about food and like has a terrible relationship with food because that's going to transfer directly over into her life as well. Um, And so when we can dig into that, that's going to help us find that intrinsic motivation and that deeper purpose and why for why we are here in the first place. And so I think that that. kind of answers that question. Yeah. Let's, let's do an example. We can either do it if you've got a goal or if I've got a goal, let's do the five whys. Let's dive into one. Um, Did you want to do yourself or we can do me? Well, I just did. I did the one about the, I'll, we'll quiz you because I did, I at least did the one of, I want to improve my relationship with food. Okay. Let's do it. One of my goals at the moment is I need to make more time to rest, but Mm. actually do it. And this has been two years in the making. Mm. Right. Always a challenging one. Okay. So why do you want to work on rest? I feel like I'm just running on nothing but adrenaline and good food. (laughs) The good food helps, but I do feel like I'm running on the empty tank a lot of the time and I'm Mm. I'm getting irritable. Yep. And then another layer. Why? I think you've got, you've got it pretty good, but I think you can go another layer. Yeah. Because it's definitely something that impacts what energy I do have, I give to my clients, but I think it impacts my relationship more than anything with Bill, but also my close girlfriends because I'm so tired on the weekend. So I definitely feel like it's like now impacting relationships close to me. Yeah. And look how deep we just got there, mm-hmm. right? Like you went from, I need rest to I'm, <laughs> I'm, I have no energy for my relationships, yeah. for myself and for my friends. Yep. Right. Like that is, that is deep. That is a deep source of motivation that we can build a life around, right. That we can build our goals around and focus our efforts around that and come back to that purpose and come back to that reason why we're here and why we're pursuing this. And so if you have an anchor like that, that you can hold onto in your health and fitness, that is going to be one of the best things that you can rely on because trust me, guys, the road is windy. There are bumps and there are challenges throughout your health and fitness journey, no matter who you're working with. If you're working with a coach, if you're working alone, there are always going to be challenges. And so if you can anchor yourself and root yourself down in that purpose, you will be that much more successful long-term. It's so true. Because even now just doing that exercise, it makes me realize like it's not even for me to have more energy. It's, it's to, you know, for the ones around me who are the closest in my life to be able to have a more deep and meaningful conversation, to be able to be present for them, to be able to hold space for them, I need energy. So I think that's really powerful. Wow, there you go. You just get coached me into wanting to rest more. So, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Amazing. Well, is there anything else you wanted to dive into before we finish up? No, I think that this was just honestly such a privilege to have this beautiful conversation with you. And I love everything we shared on here and everything we talked about. And I feel like this can be something really helpful for our listeners for sure. Absolutely. And before we wrap up, I'm just going to dive into a little bit of a recap of some practical tools and strategies that Jenna has given us. So one is the the dial mentality. So we need to start working on 
not seeing everything as like a tick or unticked or black and white and start seeing it as a dial. If you got to move your body today, amazing. So where on the dial are you? If it's it doesn't ever turn off. Also, ask yourself what you need to do to develop that mindset. Is it a book, a mentor, a coach, a strategy? What is it that you need to be able to reach that goal? Because you're never stuck. Also, the three beautiful letters, Y-E-T. Adding that onto your sentence. You're not there yet. And I think that's really powerful. Also, knowledge brings conscious change. So by having this knowledge, understanding the brain, it allows you to bring that to your conscious thought to allow you to change. Whereas before this conversation, it was subconscious and you didn't know why you were doing it. Now you've brought that education and we've brought it to your consciousness. It does allow us to to make some practical changes. And also seeing before and after photos with a with a different lens, I think is going to be really important. Seeing it from more of a marketing lens as opposed to it was black or white and just seeing it as trying not to compare yourself to that before and after. And then lastly, making, no, two more, making sure you are doing that regular social media audits because we can go through phases and start adding people and then we go in little rabbit holes. So just... Every few months, just doing a social media audit, muting, deleting, unfollowing, whatever you need to do. And lastly, the five whys. So if you have a goal you've been stuck on for a while, i.e. my one, I need to rest and every week feeling tired, really dive into the why so you can feel connected from an emotional perspective to that goal. That is some huge, huge, huge tips for us to all take away and implement that everyone can do right now. And like this is coming from a coach who does this day in, day out. And these are practical tools at work. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing so much light into mindset. I feel like we have tapped into really big topics here that I know firsthand most people um, have dealt with. And I feel like, yeah, you're just, as I said, you're making making waves in the health industry and the mindset industry. So thank you so much for joining us. And can you please tell us where can we find you? And yeah, tell us about your podcast as well. Let us know how to find you. So you can find me if you want to chat at Instagram. Um, My handle is at Jenna, J-E-N-N-A, Ray, R-A-E, Altman, A-L-T-M-A-N. So would love to chat with you over there. I share a lot of helpful content there as well. Um, and then the Lifestyle You podcast is my podcast. So if you like Laura's podcast, you will probably enjoy mine as well. Um, so would love to hear you guys and um, hear from you guys there. And then the last component, I'm putting this out there so I actually get it started. I will be joining the Pinterest game. So I will, you can find me at the same handle as Instagram. I'm sure that will be it. Um, But either way, would love to chat with you guys and just hear from you all what you enjoyed about the episode. So thank you so much, Laura, for having me. Amazing. Thank you so much. And Jenna's like me. So she's always down to have a chat. So feel free to drop her a DM at any time. So thank you for joining us. It's been such a pleasure to have you. I have learned so much. And yeah, stay tuned, guys. Can't wait for our next episode. See ya.